Stone and Tile Show is proud to be sponsored by the National Tile Contractors Association. The NTCA is a leading trade association in the tile and stone industry dedicated to professional installation of ceramic tile and natural stone. With more than 1,500 members representing thousands of installers, NTCA works hard to be a strong voice for proper installation and qualified labor. The association invests in a professional staff to provide technical support and assistance and offers free educational seminars and regional training opportunities around the country. To learn more about what the NTCA can offer for you or your business, go to the website www.tile-assn.com. That's www.tile-assn.com. Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Stone and Tile Show. I am your host, Fred Houston, and tonight we are going to be talking about efflorescence, subfluorescence. We're going to be talking about what is called cryofluorescence. So if you don't know what those terms are, uh, you may want to listen to the show. Uh, also, we're going to talk about uh, what it is, uh, how to prevent it, uh, what kind of problems it's going to going to cause uh, if it continues on, uh, how to fix it. Uh, so uh, let, let's get started and jump right in. But before I do, uh, let me just go ahead and give the call-in number if you're listening live. It is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. Okay, I made a bunch of notes here today, and I, I'm quite honestly been dealing with a lot of efflorescence issues in the past uh, past month or so. Now, I've dealt with them all my career, but I think it's a good idea to kind of go over the details. And we're going to get a little technical here, so I apologize for that, but I'll, I'll try to make it as painless as possible. But I think it's extremely important. You know, if you're an installer, if you're a restoration contractor, or even a fabricator, uh, you should know what this is. You should know how what to do when you encounter efflorescence. You need to know how to identify it. You need to know whether uh, where the efflorescence is coming from, where the salts are coming from, so et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So first of all, let me back up and explain what exactly is efflorescence. What is the technical definition for efflorescence? And put quite simply, it's nothing more than soluble salts that are deposited on the surface of the stone, grout, masonry, brick, or whatever porous material you're dealing with. So let, let me break that down and explain that a, a little better. And perhaps the best way to do that is to give you an analogy. Let's say you took a, a bowl of water, just, you know, your typical cereal bowl, and you put, you know, just a little bit of water in there. You take your salt shaker and you shake the salt in there. I don't know, say you put about a teaspoon of salt in there and you set that, that aside. Of course, you can't see the salts because they're now dissolved in the water, right? Now, let that water evaporate away. So what happens as the water evaporates away over the next couple of days, you're going to see those salts crystal, crystals reform. So basically what happens with, with any porous surface, stone, tile, uh, brick, masonry, or whatever, that any kind of porosity to it is exactly the same thing. So where do the salts come from? We're not taking a salt shaker and we're not sprinkling that on our, on our substrates or anything. Well, there, I mean, the typical salt that most people think of is they think of the table salt. They think of, uh, you know, calcium chloride. But there are a slew of other salts that occur naturally in concrete slabs. 
they occur in the setting materials, your mud, your thin sets or whatever, and sometimes within the, the stone itself. So you can imagine you have all these salts that are contained in these, these, these substances, and they become wet. And when they become wet, just like our little example did, what happens is the salts dissolve. Now what happens to the water? It rises to the surface. And when the water gets to the surface, carrying the dissolved salts with it, and begins to evaporate on a surface, what happens is you form a white powdery substance, which is known as efflorescence. So basically that, well, not basically, that is what efflorescence is. And you'll see that coming up through veins. A lot of times with materials like crema marfil, uh, you'll see it come up through the veins because the veins are the least path or resistance. That's where the water is going to come up, come up first. But as I said, you see it on bricks, see it on uh, masonry and, and anything that, that's basically porous. Now, before I continue on, I want to clear up one thing. And this is something I see a lot of contractors call efflorescence all the time. They confuse the word efflorescence with effervescence. And it is not the same thing, folks. Effervescence is what happens when you drop the Alka-Seltzer in the water and it fizzes, it effervesces. That's effervescence. Efflorescence is the soluble salts, the salts that are carried to the surface. All right, so if you want to think of a fluorescent light bulb, uh, think of a, a fluorescent light bulb, then you'll have the correct term, efflorescence. Now, spelling it is another thing, so we're not going to worry about that since this is radio and a podcast. We don't have to worry about spelling it. Uh, I do when I write reports, but uh, other than that, you, you can look, look it up on, on Google. All right, so why is efflorescence a problem? Well, in order to talk about that and talk about what efflorescence or what damage efflorescence can cause, we need to look at the structure of the stone itself. Now, there are two other terms that you need to know and probably add to your vocabulary, especially if you're going to deal with efflorescence, and that is something called macroporosity and microporosity. And this is nothing more than the size of the pores of the stone. So you can take a stone that has very, very tiny pores. That's what we call microporosity. And then you could, an example would be, say, a white Carrara marble would be a microporous type stone. Uh, on the other hand, you could take a granite, uh, say something like Ubatuba, uh, that has a macroporosity, has a much larger pore structure. So why is that important when it comes to efflorescence? Because what can happen is smaller pores, especially these stones that have smaller pores, but it can also happen with the larger pore stones. If the salts don't quite make it to the surface of the stone and they, they actually become trapped inside these pores, these micro or macro pores, what happens is the salts start building up. If you can imagine taking a, 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 a let's say, a, 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 a skin of a pea, and you were able to extract all the crap out of the middle of the pea and you're left with this skin and you were to inject the salt in there, the salt water, I should say, and the water starts evaporating away. What's going to happen is the salts are going to recrystallize just in that example we gave with the dish, correct? And what happens is that builds up pressure. And when the pressure is built up, you end up with the pores exploding. And what you can see visually here is a stone is actually what we call spalling. Uh, it can be flaking, it can be delaminating, but basically it's creating that pressure. 
Now, without getting too scientific here, there's 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 two kinds of pressures that can that that we deal with. There's hydrostatic pressure and there's osmotic pressure. And I think I've gone into this in um, in a in one of my other podcasts. Uh, we definitely go over it in the in the class in the in the stone inspection class. But let me give you an idea. Uh, without getting into well, I'll, I'll get into it for just a second. Hydrostatic pressure is let's say you have a slab. And it's near a canal near the ocean where you have high tide and low tide. Well, what happens is when high tide comes in, that creates the water table to rise, and it creates a a, a, a pressure within the uh, within the column within the the column itself. That's hydrostatic pressure. Typically, in a stone or tile installation, you're looking at uh, that that pressure. You can call it a capillary pressure if you want. Uh, anywhere between 300 and 500 psi, which is you know which is quite a bit, but when we talk about osmotic pressure, and you'll have to go back and listen to my full explanation on what osmotic pressure is. Uh, I don't want to spend the time to do it here because I want to get to the cures and the preventative measures here. Osmotic pressure, which is what can happen with these situations where you have the salts being trapped in the stone, can be anywhere between 3,000 to 5,000 psi. So a tenfold difference with osmotic with osmotic pressure. So uh, that's something if you're not familiar with, again, uh, either Google it or uh, go back to one of my other podcasts and, and, and take, take a listen to that. So when that happens, efflorescence is no longer efflorescence because efflorescence actually stays on the top. And, you know, just for kind of kind of giggles here, uh, I looked up what the uh, what the actual word uh, efflorescence means. And it's actually a French word. Uh, which means uh, something to do with flowers. Hold on, I've got it written down here somewhere. I just kind of want to make sure I, I get it right. Yes, it means uh, to flower out. Uh, so interesting where, where the word comes from. I just think that's interesting to look at some of the words that we use in our industry and know what the origin is. So anyway, what I was saying is that when those salts now become trapped below the surface, we now call that either subfluorescence or uh, some masonry experts will call that uh, cryofluorescence, C-R-Y-T-O, cryofluorescence. I like to refer to it as subfluorescence simply because if you remember uh, the word sub, submarine, below the surface, that's what happens. The salts are actually formed below the surface of the stone. Now, couple of things. Let's talk about what happens when you come across a situation where you have efflorescence. Uh, as an installer, uh, you will see this uh, a lot of times when you're using a wet mud bed. Uh, just, you know, you're using a lot of water. Uh, it's not necessarily a dry pack. You'll even see this sometimes with, uh, with some of your thin sets where the, as the water, as the installation itself is drying out, it's bringing some of those salts to the surface, depositing on the surface, and you're getting the efflorescence, or in a worst-case scenario, depositing below the surface within the pores of the stone, and you're getting uh, a subfluorescence condition, which is, which is, which is not, not good. It's not good at all. So let's say you walk into a situation where you have efflorescence. Uh, basically, you can uh, remove it by uh, dry buffing it. I would not use water at this point. Dry buff it, brushing it off, sweeping it off, dust mopping it off, but it will continue to come back. It will continue to come back as long as the moisture is present, because remember what's happening is that moisture is coming to the surface, carrying the salts, evaporating at the surface, hopefully at the surface and not below the surface, and depositing that salts. And 
this can happen for several days. It can happen for several weeks. And then severe cases, and I'll tell you a, a situation here where I had this happen, it can, it can take several months to uh, as much as a year or more, depending on how much water is in that installation. If there's a continuous moisture problem, a leaky pipe, a uh, high water table or whatever, it may never go away until you cure that particular problem. The mistake, the number one mistake I see that is made out there is that, you know, some of your restoration contractors, some of your general contractors out there and others, the first thing they want to do is to put a sealer on the stone. And when I'm talking about sealer, I'm talking about an impregnator. That is the wrong thing to do. Because if you do that, you can cause the efflorescence uh, instead of coming all the way up to the surface to now become trapped because you're reducing the pore size. You know, even though those sealers are considered breathable, and we did a whole podcast on, on that, that whole issue, it doesn't matter. You're reducing the size of the pores, and you take the chance of trapping those salts within the stone. So you do not want to seal the stone with any kind of sealer if it's experiencing an efflorescence issue. I repeat, do not use a sealer. And I know a lot of you guys out there have done that and have made that, made that mistake. All right, so what do you do? I mean, you have an efflorescence problem, and as long as, long as the moisture is there, the moisture is evaporating, you know, continuing to evaporate through there, uh, what do you do besides just mop it off? Do you go back every day and dust mop it? Do you go back every day and run your floor buffer across the floor? Uh, what can you do? So we're going to discuss what you can do right after this. So I'll be right back. Are you tired of lugging dozens of stain removal chemicals around to remove stains from stone, tile, or concrete? Did you know you only need three chemicals to remove almost any stain? From organic stains to inorganic stains, Dr. Fred's Ultimate Stain Removal Kit is all you need. The kit contains three reagents and includes a detailed ebook on how to remove almost any stain. So if you're trying to remove difficult ink or rust or simply coffee and other food stains, this kit is all you need. To order, contact Dr. Fred at 321-514-6845. One kit is $69.95 plus shipping. All righty, folks, we're back. And let me give the phone number out here one more time. It is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. And I uh, welcome any calls uh, about this issue or anything to do with uh, stone and tile. So if you have a question uh, or comment, just uh, simply give me a call if you're listening live. If you're listening to the podcast, you can't do that because I'm not there. <laughs> it's a recorded voice. Uh, anyway, you can also send me an email either now or later. My email address is fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. All right. So let's get back to what do we do when we come across an efflorescence issue? And what you have to do, and I, I, I tell my students this constantly, is, is what's causing it? Well, we know what's causing it. We know it's moisture, dissolving salts, and bringing it to the surface. So you have to attack the moisture issue. Now, it may be something as simple as uh, the installation needs to dry out. You know, it was very wet installation. It needs to dry out. Uh, it could be some, some, something as severe as a con continual moisture problem, a pipe leak leaking under the slab, uh, you know, high water table, a lack of a vapor barrier or a punctured vapor barrier. If it's a slab on grade where 
moisture is constantly coming up and we're going to tell you how to test for that in a minute. Um, so it could be any, any number of things. So before we want to run out and, you know, try to do everything that we possibly can, we need to find out where's this moisture coming from. If it's a new installation, a brand new installation, there's a good chance. It's just, the, it's just drying out. It's just the initial installation is drying out. If it's just occurred over an old installation, then you've got an issue. You need to ask. You need to put on your stone detective hat and start asking yourself questions like, was there a flood? Did water get, a lot of water get placed on this floor? Did a, a water heater break? Did a, a hose off a dishwasher uh, uh, break? You need, need to ask those questions because it could be something as simple as the floor was flooded at one time. You come in after the fact. You don't know anything, but you know there was moisture there because you have this efflorescence. So you need to find the efflorescence. Once you discover it, so let's take each one of those examples. Uh, the first example, it's a new installation. The only thing you can do is wait. Now you can bring in dehumidifiers. You can blow fans across the floor, which will help the evaporation process. Do not use heat. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a a, a home or a business or the, the general contractor assumes that if I heat it, if I put heaters on there, it's going to cause uh, to dry out quicker. And that's not it. What you need is air circulation. You need that to be able to circulate to, so it evaporates. So the moisture comes through and evaporates. And the way to do that is with fans, you know, floor fans on there. Dehumidifiers also work because they're draw, drawing moisture uh, out of, out of the, uh, the installation. Let's say now you, so, well, let me just summarize. So the only thing you can need to do there is buff it off, wait for it to totally dry. And at that point, if you want to seal it, then you can seal it once you know it's dry. And that's where you need a moisture meter uh, to make that determination. Now, suppose you have a more serious problem. Suppose you have a, 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 a puncture in the vapor barrier or a, lake, a lack of a vapor barrier. Um, first of all, let's discuss how you determine that. Okay, you have a, you know, you have a, a home or you have a business, it's slab on grade, and you know, you don't have x-ray eyes, you can't look into this through the slab and, and tell whether there's holes in that vapor barrier or not. But there is a way to tell, and this is a, a technique or a testing technique that I've developed. Uh, you know, one, one of the funny things about this, some of the techniques I developed, they come from other hobbies. And this particular uh, test that I'm going to describe came from uh, the marine aquarium hobby that I have. Uh, I raised seahorses at one time and uh, now have a, a big old a tank full of saltwater fish. But uh, uh, let me let me tell you how that how that plays into testing whether your vapor barrier has been punctured or not. Okay, simply put, uh, the salts that are in your concrete slab are generally, you know, magnesium type salts, calcium based salts, uh, very little organic matter in those those materials. Soil, on the other hand, contains things like nitrates, nitrates, organic matter, all kinds of stuff, right? So if we were able to somehow test the that efflorescence, those salts, and we tested it for nitrates, and we found nitrates in there, I can assure you that there's soil contact with that slab somewhere because your typical concrete, your concrete slab, your, your setting materials do not contain nitrates. Well, nitrate is one of the things that we test for in an aquarium, uh, mainly in a saltwater aquarium, but you know, we could test for it too in a freshwater aquarium. So 
you can buy these little litmus paper, ammonia, nitrite, nitrate, uh, all kinds of things. So basically go to your pet shop, uh, ask for one of these test kits and test those salts. If you find, <coughs> excuse me, if you find nitrates, if it tests for nitrates, if that color, you, what you do is you put a little drop of distilled water on the salt. You take your little strip, place it there for, for several seconds. You lift it and you compare that to a chart. If there's no nitrates present, you generally just have no color change. But if it starts turning pink to a red, that means you have nitrates present. You don't need to know how much are there. You just need to know they're present. If you pick nitrates up, you've got a problem. Uh, you've got a vapor barrier problem. You've got moisture coming in uh, through the soil and into the slab. And at that point, your only cure may be to, uh, to jackhammer it out. Uh, jackhammer, not the slab. But, but jackhammer the um, the tile out, remove the thin set, place a vapor barrier on top of the slab, and there are several proprietary uh, brands out there that that can do that, and then reinstall uh, your your floor covering, whether it's tile, stone, or or whatever. So that's what you do in in, in that severe severe type. Now let me tell you a, a, a situation that I had one time, and this was a a house that had a severe efflorescence problem. It was a cream noir fill floor and it was efflorescing like no tomorrow. So I got a call uh, from the homeowner, very big fancy house. And I went down there to take a look at it and it was really bad. I mean, one of the worst cases I've, I've ever seen. So obviously I tested for salts and we determined that it wasn't um, you know, soil salts, which is good because there was no vapor barrier there. Uh, we even went as far as doing some core samples, you know, actually testing the concrete, which, <coughs> excuse me, was a good thing because what we just, what we found out is that when they initially poured the slab, they used a lot of water and that, that slab got soaked with water and they didn't let dry out in time. They installed a tile over the top of it. So now all, as all this water is coming out, it's efflorescent. So what did I suggest to the homeowner to do? I said, what I would do is this is a polished cream of Marfil. I said, I would first come in and I would hone the floor, hone the floor, open it up to, you know, at the, at the very least a 400, preferably like a 120 grip and just let it dry out, you know, and honing it out, it's going to open the pores up uh, and then just, just let it dry out. Well, and I said, if you have to deal with the salts, just, you know, buff it off, dust mop it off as they come through. Well, this went on for, I think I was there, uh, I got a call three months after the fact. And the homeowner said, well, he says, it's, it seems to be getting better. Uh, can I polish a stone yet? And I said, no, let me come down and take a look at it, take some moisture readings and see if the salts have totally gone away. Well, I did that and make a long story short. Uh, it wasn't ready yet. It was still still a lot of moisture in that slab. So I go back to my office, and I would think it was probably another three to four months later. I get a frantic call from the homeowner, and he is livid. He's saying, Fred, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. He says, there's more salts on the surface of the stone than I'd have ever seen. And I said, that's wonderful news. And I, I think he thought I was being a smart ass because he was like, what do you mean it's wonderful news? I said, it's getting worse, not better. I said, yes, I know that's wonderful news. And he said, okay, you know, I bite. Why is that such wonderful news? And I says, because that tells me 
it's reaching the end of its drying process. So, you know, as the moisture is coming through, it's carrying the salts to the surface. The, the, the moisture is evaporating away and it's left it with the salts. Well, once you get down to the last droplets of water, so to speak, you're going to get more salt. It's pulling that last batch of salt uh, out, of that, out of that moisture. So, and I was right. Shortly after that, I would say a week or two after that, uh, they buffed off the floor. Uh, repolished it, sealed it, and the guy never had a problem as far as as far as I know. So that's how you want to deal with that particular situation. If you see it getting worse, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's probably a good thing because what's happening is it's is it's drying out. So now you don't want to confuse. Let me talk about some of the issues you have. There is something called white mold. And uh, you'll probably run onto this more with brick or, or concrete block or masonry than, than you will with, with stone surfaces, but you can run into it. How do you tell the difference between white mold, which can, can actually look very similar uh, to efflorescence, and true efflorescence? And, and there's several ways, several ways to do that. First of all, usually with, um, with efflorescence, you can just, you know, touch with your fingers and, and you can pick it up. It's a powder. It's a very, very fine powder where mold isn't going to be a powder. It's going to be kind of a, a film or, or, or a sticky, sticky mess. Um, efflorescence will dissolve in water, obviously, because it's being carried to water. So if you see this white substance on the surface, take a few drops of water, place some drops of water on there, see if it dissolves. If it dissolves and you know you're dealing with salt, you're dealing with efflorescence, you're not dealing with mold. Uh, if, if that doesn't happen, Excuse me. You can also take um, a little bit of bleach and see if that will affect affect the mold, but that could take some time. By the way, efflorescence is not only white; it can also be yellow. I've seen it brown, uh, where you know white mold can also be those colors, but it can also be purple, pink, and black. So if you see purple, pink, and black, it's not efflorescence; it's probably a, a mold of, of some kind. So uh, that's how you tell. So how how can you test for salts? Uh, I've had situations where there was, you know, the, the customer claims there's salts there, but they weren't there when I inspected the floor. So how do you test for them? And this is how you test. And what you need is a moisture meter. And you want to use a pin moisture meter. I know I've recommended non, you know, non-contact or, or no-contact type moisture meters in the past, and that's what I would generally use to measure the moisture. Uh, but for this particular test, you want to use a typical wood moisture meter, which has those two little prongs on it. You want one of those. And then you want to pick up some filter papers. They're little round filter papers that scientists use, and you can buy them at several scientific supply, supply places. If you don't know where, drop me an email, and I'll, I'll tell you where to get them. And basically what you do is you, you don't want to touch these filters with your fingers because your fingertips contain salts, right? You want to take one of these filters out with a you know, pair of forceps, and you want to place it on something plastic. It could be the case that the moisture meter comes in. That's what I like to use. And you place a couple of drops of water on that filter paper, and you take a reading with your meter. And let's say that meter now uh, reads uh, 92 uh, on the meter. Say it's a 0 to 100 scale. It reads 92. Then what you want to do is take another filter, Place it on top of the efflorescence on the floor or wherever it is. Add your distilled water, and you want to use distilled water. You don't want to use, you know, water contains salts. You want to use distilled water. 
you place that on there, add the water, let it sit for a minute. Take that paper now, that wetted paper, place it on the back of your plastic and take your moisture meter. If the reading is higher, salts are present. So let's say you had 92 with just a distilled water with no salts, and now you're reading 98 or more, you've got salts. Salts are present now. It's not going to be a, a quantitative test by any means, uh, but it'll tell you, yes, we're dealing with salts in this issue. So it's a very, very effective test, and those, those, those meters are fairly cheap. Um, another thing I want to clear up is the difference between efflorescence, subfluorescence, or whatever, and what are known as calcium deposits or mineral deposits might be a more accurate term to use here. This is where you get a hard, crusted, you know, really tough uh, buildup on the outside of the brick, stone, masonry, or whatever. That is not efflorescence, okay, because it doesn't dissolve very easily in water. That is what we call a mineral deposit, and that usually comes from a, a, a high uh, lime content or, or high salt content with a type of mortar that, that, you're, that you're using. So don't confuse that with efflorescence. That is a calcium, uh, a calcium or a mineral, a mineral deposit. All right. How, you know, let's say you continue to have these efflorescence problems and you're installing a new floor. How do you avoid efflorescence uh, to begin with? Well, there are setting mortars, and these setting mortars, uh, what you want to look for is what they call a low alkali setting mortar. Uh, usually these setting mortars, uh, whether it's, you know, Laticrete, Mapei, Custom, Ardex, or whatever, uh, they all have these low alkaline setting mortars, which, you know, I would highly recommend for stones and, and materials that are very sensitive to efflorescence. I've mentioned one, Crema Marfil is, is one, but just about any stone uh, can have that issue. So you want to look for a low alkali uh, uh, setting, setting mortar. All right. When we come back, I want to tell you a, a little trick that I've learned for dealing with efflorescence and actually speeding up the drying process. So we'll be back right after this. Thank you, Tough Skin, one of our gold sponsors. Marble etches and stains, Tough Skin guarantees it will not. Tough Skin provides a unique product and installation service anywhere in the USA with a proprietary stone laminate products. They protect marble countertops with an acid, oil, and waterproof guarantee. That's right, it's now possible to install marble, onyx, and travertine countertops without the worry of etching and staining from common household items like wine, lemon, coffee, or other acidic foods. People have been trying to figure this out for thousands of years, and Tough Skin Surface Protection has done it. Available in gloss and satin to match the countertop finish. Visit them online at toughskinprotection.com. That's T-U-F-F skinprotection.com to learn more. All righty, folks, then we're back. And the call-in number, if you're listening live, is 323-870-3968, My direct email is fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. And feel free to send me an email anytime, whether it's now, uh, during the show, or, or afterwards. I'll be more than happy. I'm here to help you. So that's what I've been doing for the last 40 some years and I probably continue to do it till I can't do it anymore. So anyway, um, the next thing I want to talk about, which 
is kind of efflorescence related, but not really. And that's for you guys in the in the northern sector that deal with de-icing salts. Uh, de-icing salts have a very similar effect to efflorescence in that, you know, when you use these salts on the on the sidewalk, a uh, driveway or whatever, uh, springtime comes, the snow melts, and you end up with the salts being carried into into the concrete, your granite building or whatever, and it starts spalling. There is something called rendering. And what you do in that situation, let's say, you know, it's springtime now, you're done with your, you're done with your, your, um, your de-icing salts. And by the way, there are de-icing salts that won't crystallize like that, you know, uh, potassium chloride being one, but there are other proprietary salts out there. They're a lot more expensive, but I, uh, you know, would definitely look into that as opposed to uh, the rock, the cheap rock salt that you, that you typically use, especially if you have, you know, a, a problem with, with spalling that you do. But anyway, what is rendering? Rendering is basically uh, flooding the surface with water. Now, if you can use distilled water, if it's not a very large area, that's probably, that's a good preference. And basically what you do is continue to flood the surface uh, with water. And what you're doing is you're dissolving the, the efflorescence. Now, of course, you're adding more water, but in this case, you're not worried about the water dissolving the salts in the setting bed, you're worried more about flushing out the salts and the stones. So uh, if you have that issue, that is, that is a problem. Uh, a question you may ask is, what about these so-called efflorescence treatments? And a lot of companies make them, and they're basically salts. I mean, I'm sorry, not salts. They're basically acids, and these acids will dissolve the salts. Uh, they can be very dangerous to use, especially if you're dealing with a calcium-based limestone or a marble because it's acid. And you all know if you work with stone that that's not good. Uh, it's going to etch polished surfaces. It's going to eat away. Uh, acids will eat away at concrete uh, as well as, as marble, et cetera. So you want to be really, really careful. Quite honestly, I haven't found them very successful. Uh, you know, I prefer the, you know, let's dry it out. Let's wait and see. Uh, avoid using sealers, and uh, hopefully we can we can cure the cure, cure the um, the efflorescence. All right, folks. So that's all I have this week. I got a couple uh, more seconds here. If you want to call in real quick with a question or need me to clarify something, the number is three two three eight seven zero three nine six eight. That's three two three eight seven zero. Uh, three nine six eight, and uh, if we're uh, uh, let me finish with a with a story I had one time with a an, a really really severe efflorescence problem, and we got called in on this particular job because the floor was efflorescing. It was in a home, and what had happened is the, uh, the the people that owned the home went away on vacation, and the maid came in the day after they left her vacation, and she had one of these little laundry sinks in a laundry room adjacent to the kitchen. And she plugged it up, she turned the water on, and she went about doing all her chores, and she forgot she left the sink on, and she left. Now, these individuals were going to be gone for almost a month, and the entire house flooded. And I, when I say flooded, it flooded. I mean, water was literally pouring out of the, out of the, out of the doors. So we get called in. Of course, they cleaned all this water up, blah, 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 blah. But uh, several months, not days, several months after they had it all cleaned up and thought they were home free, it started efflorescing. And now you should know why, because once the stone is saturated 
and it's got a lot of water there, it's going to stay. It's it's not going to effloresce because the salts are now, you know, they're they're dissolved in that water. Once it starts drying out, then you have the issue. So that's what happened here. Um, to make a long story short, this took over a year to dry out, and that's with bringing dehumidifiers in. And these for the first two weeks, we brought in dehumidifiers, and we were filling up those dehumidifiers within within a, a day's period. I mean, just gallons and gallons and gallons and gallons of water coming out of the, coming out of that, that that particular floor. So, so hopefully this week I've I've given you some more information on efflorescence. As I said, if you have any questions whatsoever, uh, I do want to mention that uh, on my my new stain kit for this month only, the month of November. So if you're listening to this podcast past November, this no longer is a is a is a sale, so to speak. But I'm I'm giving away a pound of my non-staining. Uh, poultice powder with every kit that's ordered. So feel free to give me a call. All right, folks. So I want to thank everybody for listening until next time. Keep setting those tiles, polishing that stone and fabricating those tops. Later, my friends. Are you looking for quality greenstone working products? ESP sells many lines of fine quality, environmentally safe products. Stone Pro, NB Stone Care, Bondstone and Touchstone Adhesives, more Stone Care products, Easy Care products, and Better Bio, which is over 80% bio-based and approved by the USDA. For more info, visit ESPSales.net. That's ESPSales.net.